Hello everyone. Today I'm welcoming uh, Vivian Chang, um, the founder and uh, CEO of Crush Collection, a fashion apparel brand based in China but selling all over the world. I mean, I saw that you had a location in Sweden uh, and uh, um, several locations actually in Greater China. You're going to tell us more about it. I'm very happy to welcome you, Vivian, because I think uh, a lot of people are asking themselves questions on how to start their own brand. And I think they can learn a lot from you. Um, they don't know how to start, they don't know how to talk to factories, they don't know how to talk with distributors, how to find the right distribution. And you have been successful in doing all that. So I think that can be very, very interesting to, to know more about it. And that was not your first experience. You had a, a past experience uh, in other companies, as far as I read online. So it would be interesting as well to understand how you switched from uh, working, uh, I think it was uh, outside of China, and then starting your own brand. But first of all, as I begin with most people, I try to understand the size of your business and uh, um, if you can give us some metrics, um, revenues, number of people working with you, number of clients, some idea of the size of your business. Hi, Matthew. Thanks for being with us. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. Um, first time doing this interview, I'm a little bit nervous, but I can tell you my the size of my business. Last yeah. season, we have two seasons a year. Last season, we have about 18 million renminbi in retail volume. Okay. So when you say 18 million, is the 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 revenues you get from distributors, or is it the total revenues in retail? Uh, okay. Price. Retail price. Okay, I understand. So we will say one season. You have two seasons per year, right? Yes. So that means that it's roughly two times that, right? For one year. The other season is uh, much smaller, maybe just okay. uh, quarter, because I, I focus okay. more on cashmere. So winter is my big season. Wow, it's very nice numbers. How is the size of your of your 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 team now? We we have eight people, including me. Okay. And those 18 million GMB, you do them through um, offline, right? Through offline retail. I saw you have at Lane Crawford and very good locations. Yes. Okay. Everything is through uh, offline. We don't have an online presence for the moment. Okay. Okay. So let's go back to the start. Uh, how did you start? I, I started in 2009. And how did I start big passion for garment and clothing? I, I don't want to just have a clothing brand because there are so many out there already. So I was thinking, I was during, it was two, 10 years ago during summer, and I, I saw a lot of, at that time, there was a t-shirt was really, became really popular. Everyone was having this, everyone has a white t-shirt that costs like $100. So t-shirt became not a sloppy t-shirt. T-shirt became like, you know, a cool item to have since like 10 years ago. So I was thinking, oh, why not wear t-shirt in winter as well. So then I started to find, to research what can be wear in winter, like just directly to your skin that you don't have to wear anything else. Like, cause a lot of sweaters are quite itchy. Yeah, you, you came from an observation basically. I, I read that it was in Frankfurt, it was in Germany. Yes. You had the, you had the ID? Yes, I was just like sit, sitting by the street side in a coffee shop and drinking coffee and see, I was just, I was just trying to figure out what kind of clothing will be, will be uh, essential for people. So I, I can create something that is, uh, 
that makes sense. I can create something that people want to have, not okay. just another clothing brand. Yeah, you see a pain actually uh, from the consumer point of view, right? And you try to solve it. So uh, how, how did you come to Kashmir? Because uh, how did you connect the need of this uh, garment to the material of Kashmir? When I started to research, oh, also ever since I moved to China 20 years ago, I, real, I, I found out that China has uh, quite a lot of Kashmir raw material. China is the biggest uh, Kashmir produced country. So um, uh, Kashmir, it's easier to, to have access in China. And then I realized cashmere is actually the best material to wear directly to skin. It's very soft. Okay. It's, it keeps you warm, especially when you use the super fine cashmere. They are as thin as t-shirt. You can just really wear it in, in the winter like a t-shirt. Are you currently wearing your, your own? I am, but I'm not okay. wearing my t-shirt style. Yeah, I can. I understand. Okay, so you, you came up with the idea because you observed people in the street and you were thinking that they use t-shirt, an expensive t-shirt during the summer, but they have nothing during the winter to feel comfortable, to be light and to, to, to wear during the winter, right? And then you came up with the idea of, uh, by being in China, to use cashmere and you are only using cashmere, right? In the, in the first uh, five years, yes, only cashmere. Also, a lot of company making cashmere garments, clothing out there. So what I have been trying to do is I have to make cashmere different than the traditional cashmere. How do you do that? Like I say, making it into t-shirt. No one makes it into okay. t-shirt. Okay. I see. I see the format. Okay. Format is different. People will make it into like thicker sweaters, like a twin set. I see. Uh, or just like an ordinary pull over a sweater, a crew neck, a v-neck sweater. Uh, so I will make it, I make cashmere into dress. So even make cashmere into evening wear. So you can go to gala dinner at night and winter time and not feeling cold. Why do you think people didn't do it before? No other brands did, did it before. They, they, actually, they are they are brands doing it, uh, but it's maybe more for more luxury brands. So one sweater can cost two thousand dollars. Okay. Minimum. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's your pricing? Nowadays, I focus to myself only in China. Mm -hmm. uh, so my retail price is from around two thousand RMB to ten thousand RMB. So you are you are the same price level as the luxury brands, right? No, I'm still half priced. <laughs> Half price, okay. That's that's on the way. Okay, okay. Yeah. But that's something I I like to come back to come back later on. Is how do you build a, a brand with a, a price tag which is actually uh, closer and closer to luxury brands? But we'll go back on this later on. I think it would be very interesting to 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 know about it. So you you had your idea about using cashmere, and you you came back to China because at that point you were in the West. And at that time, then you were look. You, you had to look for a factory. Could you explain yes. us about how you you looked for a factory? I read online that you went to Zhejiang, Harbin, uh, Jiangsu, and finally you found out a good factory uh, in Shanghai to work with. Uh, could you explain us about uh, all the difficulties and how you solve them? 
in the in the first uh, few years, I don't have big quantity. Especially the first year, it was it was very difficult to get a good factory to willing to work with me because I don't want to produce ordinary cashmere sweaters. So to be able to explain to them what I want to do is already very it's a bizarre thing to do. They they keep on telling me no one does cashmere like that. You cannot do it. So it's a long story short. It's like I have to go to the factory almost every day, try to make friends with the factory owners. But when when you were looking for factories in Jiangsu, Zhejiang, Harbin, at this at this very first stage, uh, I guess yeah. it was assessing the factory, right? So how do you assess if it's, if this factory is good or not? Getting access to factories kind of easy now. I don't, I'm not sure about it, but with Alibaba and all everything published on the internet, it seems that the access seems uh, reasonably easy. In the first few years, I cannot access the factories. I can only see it, whoever wants to produce for me, then I work with them in the first three years. Because of volume and the specificity Because, of your product? Yes. Okay. I see. And you have various factories, or you were working only one by one with one one time one factory, and then moving another factory, or you have various factories for various products. If we talk about now, now I have several factories to work with. Like I have, I with my big orders, I work with very professional factories that do, they do everything by the book. So you don't have to worry. The quality is under control. But I also work with, because uh, different factory has different machinery. So for different, some of the styles that I have to work with different factories. I see. When you were saying you were going to meet with a factory nearly every day, I guess that was the one in Shanghai. This one is the one I go every day. It's in Jiaxing. It's outside of Shanghai. It's like one and a half oh. hours drive by, by car. What do you have to to talk every day with them? Just try to try to make friends. I have to, a lot to learn from them. I I was lucky to be able to find a factory owner who is willing to. He likes to teach people. I show him that I'm willing to learn, and then I go there and chat with him every day and willing to learn. So he started to make some sample for me. Interesting. Interesting. I saw that you had to go there uh, very often because there was some miscommunication and they may not tell everything at the same time, but you have to observe how they do to understand how they do and so on. That's not the reason. The reason is really about building relationships so you can have bet a better a better offer from them and a better way of working with them. Uh, I think for if you work with smaller factories, uh, the communication has to be more frequent that you have to check on them all the time to make sure that they have they are doing what you want them to do. But if you are work with you are working with bigger fact factories, their team is also more professional. Then it will have less uh, communication issue. When you say they are more professional, you mean that they have a design office? They have an office which can help you as well understand the design you bring to them. What makes them more professional when they are bigger? Uh, for example, they are they are um, the the person who leads the team in the in their factory. They all have more knowledge towards to how to solve problem. And also, if you if you have a design and then you discuss with them how to make the design more easier to produce. Okay. And wh what do you bring to them? You bring to them uh, uh, a design. You, you, you are a designer, right? You, you study design. Yes, I study fashion design. Uh, for knitwear, we have to not only bring the design to them, we have to, show, we have to uh, give them the instruction very clearly down to every centimeter. 
So is it on paper? You have to communicate with them on this. You can write everything on paper and then the big factories will produce what you say, but the small factories, you have to explain much more. You know, the small factories, uh, the smallest one, they don't even don't know how to handle email. Okay, I see that. Uh, so you have to print out the, the instruction and then uh, send it to them. I see. Actually, that's why it's good to be in China because you have access to factories and people outside of China cannot get access to factories and they cannot communicate as well as you do. And moreover, you have a market in China. So you have both sides, actually, of the business, which is not the case in Europe anymore because the factories will not be able to work on small series and, and be that flexible. It's, it's much more flexible to, have a, to operate from China, yes, especially in terms of manufacture. I, I don't work that much with the small factories anymore. Smaller factory does not mean the quality is bad. It only means I have to spend mm -hmm. more time on supervising them. Yeah, it's closer to craftsmanship than, than actually a factory, right? Yeah. So you, what's the minimum order you had to, you had to, 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 uh, to, to produce, to work with, to begin to work with bigger factories? Uh, one, one style from 50 to 100 pieces, depending okay. on different factory. Uh, about cash, about the material in Kashmir, um, I'm. I think a lot of people are asking questions about how to make sure the quality and the material is the right one or is a good one. Um, how did you get this knowledge, and how how do you do this check? In the in the first, actually, I started to, to test Kashmir in two thousand eight already before I started business. I have by bought more than twenty types of uh, Kashmir from. Uh, different companies. So what I do is I use the cashmere to knit a garment and then I wear it several times. I wash it, I wear it, I wash it. I basically test it on myself. So I narrow it down to several suppliers that not only the cashmere is not only soft and feels good on the body, also after wash, the color doesn't fade. So I, I test myself on a lot of uh, uh, cashmere's quality. And then I narrow down to three, four suppliers that I work with. And, you know, at the end, the state-owned government company are half the best cashmere. The state-owned enterprises from China have the best cashmere. Yes, they have the best raw material to begin with. How, how do you explain it? They have their own farm, they have their own gold, they have the they have the best um, fiber. Nice. Okay. Okay. So you buy the material and you give the material to the factory and the factory is using your material. Yes, I, I strictly, that, for that uh, source, I, I manage it strictly because I want my cashmere to have the, a good, very good quality. About funding, did you have to raise money? Did you have to raise uh, even uh, family money? Do you have to invest yourself money? Or clients came very quickly? I, uh, I broke, I broke even from second year onwards, but I had a very, very small team. I had just one staff and me. Okay. We had okay. two people for three years. But so the cost was mainly to produce, right? To buy the material and to produce the product, it finance the inventory. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. it. So we, I, I didn't grow it very fast in the in, 
in the first few years. It was not my plan, but I, from day one, I knew I only wanted to sell my collection in good stores. I don't want to sell it at, uh, I have small stores approach me that they're selling unbranded garment in their store. I say no to all of them. I will say no to business to me, even until today. Interesting. That comes to, to, that comes to the, the second actually uh, aspect I, I'm very interested in understanding better from you is how do you enter those, those very high level uh, shops such as Lane Crawford? I think a lot of people would dream about going entering Lane Crawford and uh, you have been able to go to those places. How do you yeah, it was my dream too for many years. <laughs> I was very happy when I got it. So it's uh, how do you, is there a recipe? Time. It takes time, okay. I think uh, it takes time to because for many years I have I keep on delivering good quality. I have a consistent quality. I think that's a reputation too. So before I s started to sell in Lenkwafer, I was selling in some of the shops in Beijing and Shanghai. I was already selling very good. Normally in winter time, I'm like I can be the top. My brand can be the top sell in the whole store. Wow. Yeah, so I was already selling good. So I think that's the reputation. And I met Len Crawford's buyers through, they have a project called Co-Out. Co-Out is Co-Out to, like, Co-Out to the designers who is interested in working with them. So it's like a big competition. You bring your own work and you go to Lenkoffer to line up mm -hmm. and all the designer with their own work in their hand and then you start presenting what you have to the buyers. That's how you got the contact? Yeah. That's how I get to know the buyer. Okay. But you, you tried before to reach them directly, right? But it didn't work. I tried. Um, it was not a yes or a no. It was just keep on trying for then two, three years. Uh, two, three years? All the stores, uh, all the big stores, I would say. A lot of times I do seeding. I, I, give, I give a lot of gifts to mm -hmm. people in the industry that I think they're influential. Mm -hmm. I want them to try because I'm confident mm -hmm. in my own sweater. So I want them mm -hmm. to try to wear uh, my clothing. If they like it, they will, it's through word of mouth. Is that the thing? Uh, do you put salespeople on the, on the point of sales or it's... Who is selling? Like in, like in Lenkwafer, they are, it's called multi-brand store. So it's like one store, they have many, many brands. But it's different than department store. Department store, you have your own like store in the department store. But in Lenkwafer, you don't have your own store. You only have your own rack. One to two, three rack only. So stores like Lenkwafer, it's called multi-brand store. So they have their own sales. But then how do you make sure that they understand your brand? They know how to talk about it. I give them training every season. Every season, so two times a year? Yes. And that's enough? That's enough. Okay, because salespeople of Lenkofer are very good, right? But also other stores too, I, I give them uh, sales training. In but the only beginning. two times? Yes, only two twice a year, sometimes okay. once. I've met one uh, uh, store manager She's actually almost more knowledgeable than me in terms of clothing because she's been selling clothing for like 15 years. 
She knows yeah, a she lot knows about fabrics, material, how it looks on, on customer. Okay. Yeah, your pictures look very good on the, on, on the website. It looks very comfortable. What is your objective when you took picture to look comfortable to wear? more than actually the usual cashmere you can see, which are more like uh, uh, official and so on? Um, I think my objective when I take the photo, I want to look modern and I want to look um, modern and trendy, not just, I don't try to sell cashmere. Okay. In an interview, you said that you wanted to meet the style of the 70s, right? It's maybe one of the season, yes. It's an inspiration okay. from one of the season, yes. I see. So you got those, those contacts uh, basically by contacting them several times. Uh, I mean, the, the different malls, different uh, department stores. You you kept you again built built relationship. Sometimes you participated in uh, in uh, in competitions. And uh, could you tell us more about uh, the typical contract you have to when you do wholesale? So you sell to them, and the typical uh, contract you 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 have with those those uh, retailers? Mm, typical contract. I, I wholesale to them and then... Okay, but there is no minimum, there is no, there is no, f it's, you, you, they, you agree together on how much volume they, they buy and then they resell. But there is no constraint, they don't push you to, to, several, to produce a certain amount and so on. Is there specific um, um, elements in the contract? The, mm, in this industry, there is a minimum. In, in Europe, actually, the minimum order is much lower for a small brand like me. It's probably just uh, 2,000 euro. But in China, the minimum order, I, we sell, set it higher. Uh, and you have to produce first. Okay, you have to produce first. So basically, you have to manage your working capital in a way that you can finance further production and then you sell to them. So you, you, I guess it's a, you have to be very careful on the working capital to manage and right. No, no customer pays me thirty percent deposit when they place. Ah, okay, okay, I see, I see. Okay. Yeah, so okay. I don't have to find fund, fund. I don't have a much funding issue. Okay, okay. Um, how many locations now do you have? I have 30, 32 stores, but then this year I work with Club Monaco. They have 35 stores, so total almost 70. So you work with Club Monaco under your own brand, right? They don't use, yeah. I mean, you don't produce for them, right? So Club Monaco is accepting other brands to be in their own shops? Yes, they are doing that even in their headquarters in New York. They are selling um, jeans and sneakers from, um, from different brands. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, but, but they only want to work with brand that it has a specific uh, function. Like I have cashmere, other brand have jeans or shoes. That is not okay, conflict with their own, what they have. I see. I see, to increase the segment because they, they have clients who come to their shop, they want to optimize their shop, so they want to sell maybe more, more products. Okay, I see, I understand. Um, how about the mistakes you think you could have avoided? Do you remember some mistakes you did that you could have avoided working with factories or working with retail? Uh, that's a good question. Well, maybe after I learned from it, I fixed it and I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> you, what, what advice would you give to people who want to start a brand? I feel like I have seen a lot of people start a new brand and they, in the first two years, they got too tempted to go to Christmas market or to go to this weekend market. When you're a small brand, you tend to go to those markets to get some sales coming in, but then it's no good for brand 
reputation. There are a lot of things that uh, takes time to build enough uh, reputation. Hmm. Another thing which is very impressive because with your price tag, uh, you are able to, to sell without even putting salespeople on the point of sales. And you have a price tag which is not low and a, a brand, and uh, I, I Google a little bit, I buy a little bit, we cannot find a lot of information on your brand. So people with their phone on the shop, they cannot find a lot about you and you sell well, you sell very well. Yeah. So that means that when you have a good product, if you go to the right retail of people who know about brands and, and apparel and garments, then you sell. Yes, you know, like in Lancaster, people who go to Lancaster to shopping, they know clothing very well. They spend a lot of money on clothing they know. So once they see it on the rack and they, they know what's good and what's not, and they will buy it, you don't need to say that much. But yeah, but that's a bit counterintuitive because we think a lot about branding as storytelling, as salespeople, as environment, you know, experience. And when you think, listen to luxury brands, most of the time they don't even talk about the product. <laughs> they talk about the experience. They talk about the branding, they talk about the storytelling, they talk about the history, right? 100 years history or whatever, and they don't talk about the product. That's the opposite. You're talking about the product. So in some way, it's counterintuitive. I, I, I'm not a luxury brand yet. I, 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 for me, I think, I think it's important that I want people to like what they buy. I want them to really feel like, oh, this is really a good sweater. I, I like yeah, it. I want to wear it. But about, about, uh, about factories, for instance, do you think you could have, you could have, uh, you could have gone quicker, for instance, going directly to the, to the larger factories? Or do you think it was part of the learning to go to small and then larger and, and so on? I, won't, I, I tried. I, I even go through people that I know who have connection with the factory. They're not willing to produce for very, very little quantity. In the first few years, I have too little quantity. So I have to start from the small factory. Okay. I went to your website and um, so I can see some of the products that I cannot buy from your website. Is it a specific strategy because you want to position yourself as a luxury brand? Is it a specific strategy because uh, you actually wanted to build the brand through retail first and then maybe after e-commerce? Or is it just because you didn't have time? Maybe or just it's, it's, not, it's not done yet? Three years ago, I did a shop. I did a e-commerce through Shopify. And then I realized that having my own website won't sell much because I have to drive this traffic to my own website. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me, so I, I closed the Shopify shop. Yeah, I, I would have thought that your uh, clients, uh, your current clients could go to your website and buy uh, new collections or new new product or just similar products on your website. Even that actually didn't happen. Very little because um, I think uh, um, I don't do retail myself. So all the customers are through the stores. So if you go to Land Crawford to buy my clothing, then you have a much better shopping experience than uh, buying at home. I think everything has to be ready like an e-commerce that is 100% ready. So the, so the customer can feel as good on my website as in the stores. I have to deliver the same experience. But which I'm working on that, that one right now. I will launch my own e-commerce this year. So this year, by the end of this year? Hopefully before autumn. To sell in China? 
or in the world? In the world. It will be but two languages, English and Chinese. Okay. And in your process of setting up the e-commerce, uh, how, how, how you thought about the delivery? When you deliver a high-quality product, product with a price point which is not low, which is not as high as luxury maybe, but which is not low, how will you deal with, um, with logistics? I've uh, contacted DHL. They have the they have a service to do, be able to deliver to door, okay. including um, import tax and stuff like that. Okay, so you go through a, a very well-known and very big firm like DHL. Okay. I, I think so because the the clothing, uh, the garment I have is also the price is also not so low. I read somewhere, I can't remember where, that you are going to start home accessories and homeware. Accessory and homeware? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I started, I started a loungewear this year. And accessories are just scarves and hats and gloves. We have that anyway, yes. Okay. Okay, and still in Kashmir. Or not, not, now you have actually changed a little bit. It's not only Kashmir, it's only Kashmir. In spring and summer, we have a silk. For the kick, kick, yeah, for anything which is Kickstarter or crowdfunding, uh, do you think it make it could make sense for someone who is starting a brand uh, as you did to begin with a Kickstarter or crowdfunding? And have you have you have you thought about it? Because I don't think you did it, but have you thought about it and going through it? Is it something you investigated, or is it something that you 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 think would not fit with your with your way of working? I think when I started uh, almost ten years ago, was there a Kickstarter thing? Maybe not. I don't, think, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. But in between, uh, you, you uh, have not thought I, about it? I mean, yeah. No, no. I, I, when I wanted to start my own business, I, I kind of don't want to report to someone else anymore. I choose a business that don't have to invest a lot of money. I can take care of this uh, through my own saving. Yeah. What's very interesting is that you say that retail, going through retail, through offline, retail was less expensive actually and easier for you than going online through e-commerce which is very counterintuitive because most people think I'm going to open a Shopify I'm going to create my brand I'm going to sell online it's going to cost less but what you say is that it's better to find the accurate the right contact the accurate retail and to start from here it's not easier it took me six years to get to okay. get into the store yeah all the, the big all the store that I want to get into it's not easy. Uh, it's not easier, but um, I think because first of all, cashmere is very soft. You have to feel it. You have to touch it to know why my cashmere is different than others. Why my cashmere is better than the three hundred or maybe cashmere out there. So I I have to be uh, show my my clothing to to customer so they will see the differences, and so they will be convinced that they are what they pay as is worth it. That's the third aspect I wanted to, to, to understand more about your business. How much do you know about your clients? Because you go through retail and you may not have their contact, you may not know them, you may not talk to them. How much do you know about them? How, do you, how can you do your, your, understand, your client understanding? That's the person who is helping me to do a website now asked me and then that made me decide to do my own website. Uh, the past three years, I feel like I I started to not know who exactly is are my customers. But before, when I uh, when I do retail myself, 
and I know who are my customers. They are um, executives in, in, in the big company. They're lawyers, they're bankers. I have a lot of uh, uh, business women as my um, customers. Okay, but you don't know if it's used more for gifting or for buying for themselves and so on. So that's why actually, because of this lack of understanding, you were thinking about going online because you could collect more data and get in touch with your own clients directly. Not, not only that, I also want to, uh, I want to present a, my ideal collection of t-shirt. It shouldn't be very expensive. So if I sell directly to my customer, that I cut one layer off. And then I want to have one like uh, price-friendly cashmere t-shirt on my own website. Oh, you would not sell the same thing, right? You would not send the same collections, the same product. You have different products, I see. Is it, is it something that the retailers are asking you not to sell directly what you sell to them? Or is it, or you are free? Yeah, no. okay, it's, they, they didn't yeah, ask okay, me that, but I, I feel like if, if people, uh, I want people to shop online, but make that make it easier. So if there are 10 styles to choose from other than 300 styles to choose from, I, I want to sell the essential items on my own website. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Vivian. Uh, it's going to, I know you have a meeting afterwards, so uh, in 10 minutes. Uh, so I don't want to take too much of your time. I, I think it was very, very instructive, I think, to, to, um, to learn more about um, how to deal with factories, uh, how to enter retail, uh, how to think not online and offline first. Uh, and, and learn from it. Uh, thank you very much. How did you like the interview? You are less nervous now? Yes, <laughs> yes I'm not nervous <laughs> anymore. Thank you okay. for asking me a lot of questions so I don't have to talk about it myself. It's, it's easier okay. to answer. Yeah, that's, that, that's the job I, I have to do. Thank you very much, Vivian. You're, well, you're welcome. Thank you, too. Good experience Have a good for evening. me. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See you. Bye.